how PR and a rigid focus on the single measure of success have helped this D2C brand grow to over 5,000 customers in just two years. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for tuning in. Before we meet our guest today, uh, we've had another review on Apple Podcasts. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Anon1963694. I'm hoping you know who you are because that is an impressive um, Apple handle. Um, thank you so much for your five-star review and uh, for saying that you're a CEO of a consumer brand and learn a tonne from this podcast. Acquisition, retention, Shopify, Clavio, paid social, SEO, customer care. Love this pod. Thank you, Anon and all those numbers. We love you too. One, I didn't think we would ever be covering an alcohol brand again. But the awesome Hannah Hooten, thank you, Hannah, was telling me about this brand and she sold me it as a podcast topic uh, so well. And what they're doing on the sustainability front is so awesome that I just had to have them on the show. So huge thanks to Hannah, who is co-founder of Women in E-Commerce and also works at Genie Goals. So thank you, Hannah, for the recommendation, because it's an awesome guest and an awesome episode we have for you today. We're going to be talking about how sustainability has been at the heart of uh, what they started out to do. There's some amazing PR advice coming up, how to drill your business down to the single measure of success to fast track that success. We'll also be talking about team structure. We'll be talking a little bit about returns and there's a whole load of other cool stuff in this episode too. So um, get ready for it and please make sure you listen to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on my guest's top tips, frequently described as the best bit of the show and my own take on this episode. We're now live with Chloe's e-commerce club. My new free online club where the whole e-commerce master plan audience can come together. The point of the club is to help you all improve your e-commerce businesses, to help you solve your marketing challenges, to get supplier recommendations, learn new tactics and much more. We're starting simple and focusing on that core of helping us all get through this challenging year, but we've got lots lined up for the coming months and I'm sure we'll add more things based on your needs and feedback. It really is a club all about you and supporting your business. And yes, I will personally be hanging out in the club Monday to Friday. Friday to help you. So how can you join me in the club? Well, just go to ecmp.info forward slash club. It's totally free to join. So come and join me and hundreds of our listeners at ecmp.info forward slash club. And now to introduce today's special guest. Laura Riches is co-founder at Lalo, seller of boxed wine. Launched in 2020, they've turned their side hustle into a critically acclaimed award-winning rocket ship, to quote Laura herself, in just two years. They sell via a Shopify site and now have over 5,000 regular buyers. Hello, Laura. Hi, Chloe. Great to be here. It's lovely to have you on and congrats on achieving that level of success in just two years. That's super impressive. Thank you. 
well, lots to go. <laughs> yeah, and always aiming higher, of course. How did you get started in e-commerce? I actually started in retail, like bricks and mortar retail, straight out of university. So I, I went to Harrods and I had the world's strangest job. So um, I was on the graduate scheme there and I went from department to department and basically tried out new things. So I spent some time in the pet department buying clothes for pets. I spent some time in the piano department playing sort of 80 to 100,000 pound pianos. And after that year, I thought, well, this is all very interesting. But, you know, for me, it feels like the big thing happening in retail is e-commerce and I'm not doing any of that. So I actually started looking around for who was an expert in this, this brand new thing, this really exciting area of retail. And Javelin Group, who were at the time a boutique consultancy, were specialists. Um, and I thought, this is where I want to be. I, I want to be you know, where the action is happening. So um, I joined Javelin shortly afterwards as a a strategy consultant and worked with a heap of businesses for whom e-commerce was now the top of their agenda. And it was just a really, really exciting time. I had a vaguely similar role, a vaguely similar time. And to be working across multiple brands who had cash and were going, what's online? Was so exciting. (laughs) Absolutely. And also just... Because no one knew, you know, what best practice was. So we were kind of all learning at the same time. And, you know, we knew marginally more because we were working across lots of clients and could take the kind of learnings from one to the other. But it really was this sense that it was uncharted territory, but it was the next big thing. And that was, yeah, it was great to be, you know, in my early 20s and exposed to that kind of momentum. What then led you to create an e-commerce brand of your own? i.e. Lalo. I don't think this brand would have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic, because for me personally, that changed everything. So I was working as a freelance consultant. I had my daughter in 2018, so was enjoying the kind of flexibility of being able to work on different projects. But when the pandemic hit, Firstly, I had slightly more time. I didn't have to be doing the sort of pickups and drop-offs and and all of that, that good stuff. So that gave me a little bit of time to think. My husband is an opera singer and he found himself, you know, in a position where his entire industry went from you know, flying high to to zero overnight. And that was quite a kind of formative experience. So I think prior to the pandemic, I'd been quite risk averse, but we were thrown into a situation where our whole lives had changed. And then there was this kind of moment of serendipity. So my co-founder is also called Laura. We worked together at Naked Wines. She was the COO and I was the marketing director. And she sent me a text message uh, one afternoon saying, oh, I've been thinking about working on um, a business and I'd love to run it past you. I said, of course, what is it? And she said, it's boxed wine. And this was exactly the project that I had been kind of mulling over in my mind for a long time. (laughs) So yeah, it was a combination of, you know, being in a, a position where I had the time, being able to take a risk for the first time and not scared of taking a risk anymore and just finding the right person and the right idea. Perfect melting pot. And I guess having worked with Naked Wines, one of you on marketing, one of you on ops, you were a pretty talented combination to bring into this this business idea. Well, I mean, I think that we knew we worked really well together. 
we were and remain really, really good friends. So, I mean, that helps. But also, you know, she's the yin to my yang professionally. We we always kind of think about things in slightly different ways. And, and I think having, yeah, that ops and that marketing side is kind of beneficial. It means that we hopefully have a really rounded approach to what we want to achieve. So tell me a little bit about the product because it we've just said boxed wine and that doesn't really do justice to what you're selling, does it? No. So we source the best wines from around Europe. So the sorts of wines that you would find in an independent wine merchant and we wrap them up in boxes that tell the story of the wine, the winemaker um, and the region that the wine is from. To give you an example, we have a Merlot um, from the Minervois in the, the south of France, and it's wrapped up in a genuine piece of artwork by Matisse, who loved the area and who was really inspired by the landscape there. So it's supposed to redefine how people think about boxed wine, which has typically been, you know, that is cheap plonk that you would be embarrassed to share with a friend and instead be, you know, wine that tastes amazing, that looks beautiful, and just happens to be a more sustainable way to drink to boot. And I think that sustainability option is quite interesting, because I think, you know, we think that normal wine is fairly sustainable if you recycle the bottle, but the cardboard boxed option is even better, you found. Yes. So boxed wine generates 90% less carbon than glass bottles. Wow. And there's a few reasons why this is the case. So if you imagine a, a bottle of wine. Now, I'm not, <laughs> you might want to take my word for this. So if you go and weigh a bottle of wine, um, it's likely to be, you know, somewhere close to one and a half kilos when the, the actual wine inside is only going to be you know, half of that. That kind of weight of the glass, the inconvenient shape, you know, rounded, those sort of tall um, flute at the top makes it pretty carbon inefficient to transport, to create. And even through the recycling process, you require really high temperatures to actually, you know, recycle that bottle. So with boxed wine, it's extremely compact, very light. And thanks to, you know, recent innovations, the entire packaging is is fully recyclable. So in terms of like carbon efficiency and sustainable credentials, it's it really is a no-brainer delivers on all fronts doesn't it the creation the distribution and then the disposal it's a it's a win all round especially when the wine is is brilliant too okay so you founded the business just you and Laura you're now up to over 5000 regular buyers i'm guessing you're not still doing it all yourself so what does your team look like <laughs> So we're still a pretty lean team. So on the marketing side, it's me. We have someone looking after partnerships, which has been really important to our growth and somebody looking after social media and, and content. And then on the ops side, Laura still leads on that. We have an operations manager who helps with getting wine from A to B, which can be quite chaotic, particularly these days, and an on-trade salesperson. So we're a, a, a team of six and we have a real ethos of kind of everyone mucking in, everyone getting involved. So extremely collaborative. Excellent. And um, how do you manage the returns side of the business? Do you even get returns in a, in a wine business? The short answer to that is no, not really. We don't really get returns, which is just such a blessing. Having <laughs> done these consulting projects, um, I, I do know how complicated that process can be. For us, I guess the equivalent challenge is 
no matter you know how many fancy wine terms you use or how much you rely on kind of customer reviews or or the the wine critics inevitably there'll be occasions when people buy the wine they open it and they don't like it and that for us would be a really bad outcome because people have committed you know somewhere around 35 pounds for three bottles worth of wine so it's it's a pretty big commitment so what we do instead is to offer 100 percent money back guarantee not if the wine's faulty i mean obviously we, we would refund it if it was faulty but if you don't like it and that way people can buy with confidence and we feel confident that that experience of buying something it not quite being to your taste isn't a killer for the relationship we have with that customer. Love it. So not too worried about returns, but still doing a lot to make sure the customer's happy. So I love that. I have, of course, to ask you, Laura, because you're the one in charge of the marketing. How have you gone about creating the marketing strategy to grow a business this fast? Well, I think saying strategy is probably <laughs> um, slightly grand for the for the early days. So, I mean, I suppose when we first started out, it really was side hustle territory. So we didn't have a, a marketing budget. It was a case of telling people about our wine and telling people about our wine boxes in a way that was amplified across social media, you know, whether that's LinkedIn or on, on Instagram. And it was really hard. <laughs> like I, I, I think going from Naked Wines, where, you know, we already had close to 200,000 customers by the time I joined, it really is a very different challenge going from nothing to something. How did we go about building it? Well, it's just been a process of testing and knowing when to, to scrap something and to move on or when something's got enough legs to keep going and iterating and, and getting a really good sense of, you know, what point that tipping point comes because otherwise I think you can find yourself constantly just trying to do a million things but you know lining up tests being mindful about you know what we want to achieve and being quite brutal about what success looks like. I think that's something a lot of businesses actually constantly but also especially in those first years you kind of get oh I think think it's probably working or um, it's bringing us this, but it's not bringing us that. But that's probably still okay. And not being brutal about that is what we want. And if it's not bringing us that today, we need to move on. Did you find it easy to work out what that was and to stick to it? Any tips, I guess? In the early days, I mean, everything was very hard won. And you could almost tell, you know, where every single sale had come from. And you've therefore got this quite emotional attachment to everything that you do. And I think that there was a bit of a tipping point about a year in when we decided that we just needed one measure of success. And that measure of success is boxes on shelves. So the idea here is that our business is as good as the number of boxes that people are enjoying at that point in time because we know that the product is great and we know that people who are drinking it really enjoy it. So once we had that kind of singular focus on how do we get more boxes on shelves, it was a really good way of discriminating what our priorities were. So, you know, something that sounded great, but didn't deliver boxes on shelves, whether that's in a sort of direct response way or whether that's in terms of like building the brand it was deprioritized if it didn't meet that criteria. And I find it quite a useful way of approaching our marketing, having that singular focus, because otherwise I think you can cherry pick success or failure 
in almost everything that you do. I love the visibility of that boxes on shelves. It's it really it kind of brings the emotion and the the visual part into it rather than, you know, units sold in the last two weeks. It's actually in someone's home. It's on display as such. It's being consumed. And it kind of covers off if this customer, if the customer's got, I know, a rosé, a red and a white on their shelf, that's three times as good as if they've just got the white. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it is, in some ways, it is a proxy for revenue, right? But it's a way that feels tangible. And I guess gets to the heart of what our business is, which is, you know, we're a wine company and we love the idea of people sitting and enjoying our wine. And that is ultimately why we exist, not purely to drive revenue. Yeah, it just felt like a more meaningful target than breaking it down into a kind of performance KPI. And alcohol is, of course, one of those categories where some marketing avenues just aren't available to you because they won't let you advertise your products. So have you found that to be a blessing or a curse? It's been useful to have worked in a wine brand before. So, you know, actually having that kind of institutional knowledge um, or that, that knowledge from previous experience, the good, the bad and the ugly. I think the one thing that I feel maybe we've been disadvantaged with is, you know, whenever I talk to anyone about our marketing, the inevitably people say, what are you doing on TikTok? And although our organic TikTok is something that we can do, it does make it quite hard to work with influencers because it's just a little bit of a gray area, but what we can and can't do on an emerging platform. So I think maybe because there is, you know, a lot of rules and regulation around alcohol, rightly so, it means that it's a little bit harder for us to kind of jump on emerging and nascent channels and, and categories because, yeah, we just have to be slightly more careful than most. And I guess looking at everything that's happened in those first two years, which bit of the marketing are you most proud of? I mean, I'm most proud of our PR, I think. I do all of our PR myself. I think it's my, my favourite part of my job. It is a great achievement to have wine critics, world's leading wine critics, talking about our brand um, because the wine industry can be quite archaic and and obviously, you know, boxed wine is something that people can be quite snobbish about and it's a category that people associate with, with cheap plonk. So, I think my number one moment was when Jancis Robinson, who's one of the world's leading critics on her website, a review went up and it said, you know, I'm taken aback and I'm completely convinced. And that was just a really, it was a really good moment. You know, you've set out to achieve all you're aiming for at that point, don't you, I guess? And it's just so helpful because we're we're in an interesting category, actually, because for lots of lots of categories, you know, fashion and homewares, although there are kind of influencers and there are you know experts, it's quite a broad field of people that customers will will look to for for trend advice and inspiration. But in wine, it really is very few. The same names, you know, same handful of people have an enormous grip on on consumer trends, and so. To, to be able to um, proudly send our wines to the critics and for those critics to then be openly positive about a boxed wine is, is just incredibly powerful for us. So I have to ask, as you're running the PR yourself, any 
tips or strategies or ideas for those listening who are seeing a PR opportunity for their business and that they want to do it, but they've just got no idea where to start? Because I think it's one of the most confusing areas of marketing to the uninitiated. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I should also say I I hadn't done PR until starting Lalo. So this this is all like hot, like learn from scratch. I mean, my number one tip is to get some great photography. Now, I'm not talking about heaps of photography. I'm not talking about, you know, multiple shoots of thousands of pounds. But if you can get just a few images that you're really proud of, that you could imagine on the pages of, you know, insert whatever publication you would want to be on, then it just makes things so much easier. And I know for a fact that we featured in in articles purely because we have the best imagery, because journalists have have told me that so you know I I think that that would be my kind of number one hack and then the second thing is to not think of it too much like a, a dark art but actually just remember that journalists are just real people so you know making their lives easy speaking to them like real people not putting together a particularly formal pitch I mean it's pretty rare these days I'll write a press release it's mainly you know hey I've got this great box wine I think it might be the most beautiful one in the world or you know giving people a hook yeah and having some having some fun with it e-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector here's a reminder of who they are Yoast's famous SEO conference is back. On Thursday, May 11th, they're bringing some of the world's best SEO and marketing experts to Nijmegen in the Netherlands. They'll share their insights, winning strategies and smartest tactics across topics like e-commerce SEO, content marketing and sustainable growth. You'll also be able to join interactive workshops where you can get hands-on with the experts. So join YoastCon on the 11th of May to learn how to grow your business, optimise your website and outrank your competitors. Just head to ecmp.info forward slash Yoastcon. That's ecmp.info forward slash Y-O-A-S-T-C-O-N to get your ticket. Do you, like me, have a bit of a software tools habit? Well, I love a good tool and the impact it can have on my business. For me, a good tool is one that solves a problem we have, that can save me and my team time, that improves performance and where the price is 100% worth it. That's why I've always got an eye on the latest tools to appear on AppSumo. Not heard of it? AppSumo is a site where you can buy key software tools for your business once and own them forever. For example, we use a tool I bought from AppSumo in 2020 for $49 to schedule all our Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook posts. In fact, whilst creating and promoting this very episode, me and the team will have used at least 10 tools I've bought from AppSumo. I'm a big fan. So go on, check out what's on offer right now by going to ecmp.info forward slash AppSumo. That's ecmp.info slash A-P-P-S-U-M-O. And I bet you'll find a brilliant solution for at least one of your problems. Go to ecmp.info forward slash AppSumo. It's time for the Top Tips Round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Laura, are you ready for the top tips? 
Absolutely. Cool. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I would recommend That Shit Will Never Sell, Apologies for Swearing, by David Gluckman. He is the creative mind behind loads of drinks brands, so Bailey's, Tanqueray 10. And I love this book because it reminds me that in the grind of everyday life, it's possible to have a eureka moment and that creativity ultimately is, you know, such an underrated skill, but is at the heart of some of the best brands that are out there. So it's just a really, really fabulous read. I've not heard of it, so it's going to have to go on my list. (laughs) Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? No surprises here. I think putting time into PR. It's evergreen. It sits there. It elevates your brand. Having a heap of logos on your website makes a huge difference to conversion. I just think it, it's something that you you can choose to put no t- time and energy into or you can really go for it. And I've really seen the, the benefits of, of PR. I'm very pleased you doubled down on the PR there. And um, everyone remember, get decent photographs. The journalists need photographs if you haven't got the photographs you are considerably less likely to get in okay the tool top tip maybe a collaboration tool a social media plugin a phone app or just a way of working is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day yes so it's less a tool more a way of working but we choose three things every week that are our top three And that is all we discuss on a Monday morning, not a kind of huge long list of tasks. And the point here is that although we've all got, you know, tens of things on our to-do lists, if you only do three things, you choose the most impactful. So yeah, just having three things um, has worked really well for us. I love that. That is such a clear way to keep everyone on track. Brilliant, brilliant tip. Uh, Okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Okay, so someone told me this really good analogy, which I I love and I'm going to share with you guys. If you think about your growth startup as a car, you don't want it to be a kind of super mega sports car. You want it to be one of those really stripped back racing cars that they use in the kind of Formula One. So get rid of all of the unnecessary, like, you know, glitzy, shiny paintwork, spoiler at the back or whatever it is that sort of is there ultimately to make you look good and not to you know, make you move faster and think about the component parts that actually make you you go as fast as you can from A to B. You can get quite bogged down, I think, in the shiny stuff. It's so easy to get distracted by things or just hold on to stuff that you've done for a while or you like. Kind of going going back to that single thing to focus on we were talking about earlier. I love that analogy. I don't think I've heard that one before, so that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Laura. Uh, Before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Cool. So um, our wines are available at drinklalo, L-A-Y-L-O dot com. And if you pop in master plan at checkout, you get £10 off. We're also on all the social media platforms um, with the handle at drinklalo. 
Marvellous, simple as that, and a lovely little offer for all of you too. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It has been fascinating chatting with you. I feel like we've possibly only scratched the surface of what you guys have been up to, but you still gave us so many tips. It was excellent. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome to be chatting to Laura there. And you can kind of see how they've managed, her and her uh, her co-founder, Laura, have managed to make Lalo so successful so quickly. I think partially it's because they bought an awful lot of skill and ability and network to their business. and they le- But the real thing is that they leveraged it in the right ways. They got really focused on working out what was working to help them grow, how to go about doing that. You know, they got through that kind of that first year of testing, 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 testing and then define their single measure of success against which they're measuring all that marketing. I thought her PR tips were awesome. And it was really clear to me how much she loved the PR side of it. So if there's some marketing that you really love, don't be afraid to do it yourself. You know, let yourself have that bit of joy and you'll probably do it better than anyone else in the business because you enjoy it so much. And Find ways to leverage your existing experience and your existing network to help you grow those sales and, uh, you know, build the business you want to be building. Um, You can get your hands on our notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by going over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or go straight to the correct page by using ECMP for ecommercemasterplan.info forward slash episode number, which you should be able to find wherever you are listening to this. Put that into the URL bar and you will go straight to the correct episode page. Once you get to the website, make sure you also add yourself to our email email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business like our mini series on the returns problem which is coming up very very soon on our site where we're doing it's kind of like an elongated virtual summit all about how to lower your returns for the good of your own business and the good of the planet too. It's like a win-win-win. Happier customers, more money in your pocket and better for the planet. So you can find out all about that and get yourself signed up. Um, It's totally free for you to, uh, to consume all of that as we put it live. You can find out all about that at ecmp.info forward slash returns. So thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode we put out of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every single week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including progressing along that path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. Don't miss out. It's time you joined Chloe's e-commerce club, our free club that's all about helping you grow your e-commerce store. Join right now for free at ecmp.info forward slash club.